You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to True Wealth. I'm Dave Basconi, and here with me is Maria Smith. Maria, how are you doing on this fine fall day? Very good, thank you. Very, very good. How about yourself? Yes, yes, fall is good. Um, and um, so we're, we're talking just before the show, and sounds like we're both busy, but a good kind of busy, and it feels good to take a little break to rest on occasion, but not to become idle. Idle is bad, resting is good. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, anything in particular that you would like to talk about before we get into the heart of the show? Um, Let's see. I've seen and heard quite a few flocks of birds flying south. Oh, I saw the geese, you know, how the, the V-shape? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, I saw them yes. late, uh, yesterday evening. And they still, I always have to look up. You know, you hear them coming from I a do, distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, Yeah, there's just something about that. that uh, and, and those geese have always amazed me because they're land, sea, and air. Um, you know, you see them flying. I've seen them land on the ground or in the pond. And uh, they're at home, it doesn't matter, land, sea, and air. Um, I always thought the alligator and the crocodiles, you know, they've been around since prehistoric times, was a very versatile animal because they're at home on land and and, in the water, and you don't mess with them. They're they're usually the ones that are the the predator. But uh, these geese, uh, I think, are even more versatile, the fact that they can fly, and uh, walk around on the ground and then uh, swim around in the water. Uh, and I've seen them take off from the water. They're just amazing animals when you think of how versatile they are. And sometimes we, we get so used to looking at them, we don't really consider the wonders of nature. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do, they do um, call attention to themselves. They're a noisy <laughs> gaggle of geese. <laughs> like, ah, ah, look at me. Hey, they say look at me really well. <laughs> oh, and I will tell you, I'm, I know that golf, they're not the friends of a golf course uh, superintendent uh, because golf no. courses have ponds on them. Uh, a, 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 a large number of them will gather there, and they kind of make a mess. And uh, the geese droppings and all, and if you're, uh, if you're unlucky enough to hit a ball over in that area, you could... Uh, it could be interesting. So anyhow, even though they're amazing animals, they are uh, not everyone's favorite friend. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, uh, I think we've given the geese enough time. Uh, 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 would you like to uh, talk about, maybe start the, start the show? Yes, sure. Uh, you're the one who sent me this wonderful video from your parish again, uh, it has been posted on Facebook, and it's called um, How to Have a Clear Conscience. So it's really about confession, and it's about letting go of our sins, letting go of them, being free of them, kind of like to bring back to the, an image of birds or geese, letting go of what weighs you down and won't lift you up to go to God, to get, to be light, to be, to be able to be elevated from your, from this world, which is a lot of problems. It's a valley of tears. So with confession, to have a clear, unburdened conscience gives you the liberty, the freedom, the peace, the joy to to transcend this earthly life and be elevated to the realm of of the spiritual, of what really can give us true inner peace, joy, and what can actually let us see the world as it really is, 
because we know it's not all there is. And I wanted to tie this in with several things. I mean, it was really so apropos that you sent this video just yesterday. And because of what I have had experienced um, this past weekend, and also because today is the feast day of one of my most favorite saints, Saint Faustina, the Apostle of Divine Mercy, which has to do with confession, the divine tribunal where our Lord hands down his verdict of not guilty. So Saint Faustina, and I've also mentioned, I think in the past, I know we've talked about it pre-show that several months ago in July, I went to hear a talk by a priest from this, a local priest from this area, a church I've been to, who many years ago, so I guess over 20 years ago, had what can be termed an illumination of conscience. So it's like really going to confession and having everything set before you and going to confession when you didn't know you were going to go to confession and you didn't know you were going to find out all the things wrong that you've done. But this priest, this man, has had, um, ha- is a, he's a priest now, but he certainly wasn't before his illumination of conscience. He was living a very secular life, very hedonistic life. You know, God was there. Thoughts of God were very far away. He was doing well enough and in a way, enjoying his life, although, as he said, there was still something missing, something, there was an emptiness. So I want to tie it in with St. Faustina, this priest, Father Kevin, and also what happened this past weekend is, for the first time in my life, and I have been desiring to do this for well over a decade, uh, well over, I'm not sure if it's closer to two decades, for a long time, I had my first general confession, and we can talk maybe about that a little bit as well. But to get back to the video with Father Federico, which is on Facebook, which I will link below um, so that you may also look at it, I really encourage anybody who's listening to listen to this talk. It's exceptional. It will help you to understand so many things, and if you let it, it will really give you peace of heart. It will give you this inner peace. It will put you on the path to gaining this inner peace that is so exceptional. I just cannot stress how exceptional it is, how amazing it is, and how essential it is, especially during these times, always, but especially during these difficult times of turmoil in our country and all over the world, to have this inner peace that nothing and no one can take away. Yes, um, yes. The uh, if you're looking to be anxious, there's uh, no shortage of uh, things to be anxious about. Every day there seems to be a new one to, that can be added to the list. But um, when I saw this video, uh, I, I really enjoyed the fact that he brought in some very simple concepts. And he even gave a couple of definitions. Um, And I I think when people start to get a more roundabout understanding of how to have a clear conscience, um, it's not some murky, uh, dark secret that, you know, most people can't figure out. Because I think, uh, well, for example, he said... um, we've we got to deal with the guilt and the shame uh, that we t- maybe carry around with us when we shouldn't. Um, as he said, uh, if you go to confession, and, and it is a proper confession, and you still have guilt and shame afterwards, he goes, you're, you're not doing what you should be doing. You're, tending, you're wanting to take over. God has said, I've shown you my mercy. Uh, you know, now you should uh, live with that. Uh, accepted and live with that. He goes, but in case, in, if you're still carrying guilt and shame, you're saying, God, I know more than you. Uh, no, uh, maybe you forgave me, but I haven't uh, quite uh, squared up with it yet, and so therefore uh, I know more than you. Um, he also said that you have to develop knowledge. 
And there's two things that we needed to grow in. One was knowledge and the other one was virtue. Uh, also, he said, it's not enough to stop doing the no's. In other words, don't do this, don't do that. You, after you accomplish that, stop doing the things you shouldn't be doing, then you have to take the next step, develop a virtue. In other words, go from vice to virtue. Don't just stop the vice. Keep going so that you, it leads to a virtue. I thought that was just an excellent point. And the other thing, uh, and I'll turn it back to you, was he gave a definition for virtue. He, as he said, we all kind of have a feeling for what it is. But his definition was virtue is a stable disposition. It's excellence that has become a habit. And I think that ties into what he was saying. You get rid of the vice, but don't stop there. Keep moving into a virtue, and that will lead you to a stable disposition, and then that excellence in your life will become a habit. And, you know, we've seen people that I think that have done that. They just are, they stand out. There's a glow about them, and I think they're living that life. And that's how they got there, or it could be one of the ways they got there. But I just thought that basic, information up front was so good to uh, hear so that anyone and everyone could start to, as they say these days, unpack uh, this concept of how to have a clear conscience. Wonderful. Yes, exactly. I got so many of the same things that you just said. Um, he, Father Federico in the video also mentioned Hosea, the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea, and what Hosea said, what was said in the book of Hosea, the Lord said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And it's what you said, you need to have the knowledge. But what is this knowledge? This knowledge is not information. We are immersed and overflow, overwhelmed with information. One hour of, of modern day's information would have been uh, a year's worth in, in, old, in olden times. We have a surplus of information, but we have a dearth of knowledge that is really beneficial to our souls, and we need to grow in that knowledge. And um, what you said about the virtue, exactly. We we should not stop at the don'ts. And this is where a lot of people, I think young people in particular, say, religion is just a bunch of prohibitions. Religion just takes away my freedom. I can't do anything. Can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do this. Must do that. Must do that. All, this, all these obligations and prohibitions. Whereas that's just the first step, but it's not meant to stop there at all. It's meant to go on and to give you Again, that joy and peace that cannot be found in this world, that cannot be found on the natural level. Well, that's right, um, because we've been designed by the supernatural, and um, we have a, there's a pattern, or there's a, uh, a, a design that's built within us that it, if we follow it, that's where the peace and the joy come from. And the culture, unfortunately, I think, leads us away from our design, this supernatural design. And um, I think when you really start to uh, examine, oh, the, the teachings of the church, uh, the, the things that Jesus told us about how to live, which then became the teachings of the church, that's what that is. It's just simply, listen, I know how... I know how you're wired, you as an individual and the human race. I know how you're wired. I was part of the designer. And just do this. Do it this way, uh, and you will be a happy person. I mean, that's maybe an oversimplification, but when you boil it all down, that's really what it, what it, gets, what it gets down to is um, – it's like, you know, we design a car to do certain things. If you're trying to use it as a truck, 
it's not going to work. If you need a truck, then go get something that was designed to carry the weight that you need to carry. In other words, we're used to design in the cult, in the um, natural, in the culture, because like you said, we buy cars and trucks and appliances, and we design houses that are right for our family and things like that. So we're used to design, but I just don't think we've ever realized about this interior design. And the architect was Jesus, and he came here to t tell us how he designed us, and then he passed it on to us through the church, the Catholic Church. So once you make that connection, I think things start to work out in a very good way. Yeah, I like that. I like the way you, you say that our Lord Jesus is the divine architect who designed us. He knows our interior design. He knows yep. every single style. It's like, you know, you have this great architect, this great engineer who knows how this machine works, everything right. about it. He knows everything because he built it up from scratch, and he knows every single part that needs lubrication here or movement or adjustment here. Oh, yeah. my goodness, that's really great. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we take our cars to a mechanic. You know, those people are supposed to understand the design. Uh, we don't. They do. And you get your car back at the end of the day, and it works. It was before it had a problem. So uh, if we're used to that and we accept that in our everyday lives, we should accept it in our spiritual lives. Uh, I, I mean, and once you do, a lot of people do, and once you do, again, you make that connection, everything starts to fall into place. Um, uh, but anyhow, Maria, was there, go ahead if you had some other thoughts, because I know you wanted to tie some things in together. I do have some other comments, but they can come later. Actually, without tying it in just yet, but I, I was looking at some of my notes and there was something that's so beautiful that ties into what we're saying right now about confession and about having our Lord take away our sins in confession. And what Father Federico in the video said that, you know, you can walk out and still carry your sins with you even though they have been absolved. They have been taken away. And he said it, he put it this way, which I thought was a really great way to put it. He said it's as if the person is saying, Lord, you forgave me in confession, but I know better than you. I know yeah. I'm still guilty, so I'm going to carry this guilt with me because, you know, I also tend to think that it's a familiarity. I think that people carry their sins and their guilt with them even after they've been to confession. I think they carry it with them because it's familiar to them. They don't want to let it go. And it's very, well, actually it is, it, you know, I was just going to say it's similar to carrying our sins with us. You know, it is a sin to carry our sins with us when they've been forgiven. It's a lack of trust. And, oh, what our Lord told St. Faustina, what St. Faustina tells us, the greatest sin, according to St. Faustina and our Lord, the greatest sin is nothing that we can commit. It is a lack of trust. Every other sin, no matter how grievous, how heinous, how horrid or atrocious, is not as bad as a lack of trust in God. And that's what we're doing when we walk out and still feel heavy or don't only feel slightly lighter because, well, yeah, it's, I feel a little better, but we still haven't let go of all of it. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, that lack of trust, um, because in yesterday's homily, um, it wasn't Father Federico, it was Father Romans, but he started out uh, with a phrase that we're all familiar with, uh, easier said than done, and that's exactly what he talked about. You, you have to give it up. You have to have this trust so that when um, you actually achieve it, then everything, the burden, uh, the anxiety, uh, and he mentioned all the usual baggage that people have, you know, school and kids and the job and finances and the pandemic, the whole thing. I mean, he went down the usual list, and he goes, you know, we're told by Jesus to trust, and he goes, uh, I agree. He goes, I know, it's easier said than done, but 
that was the whole point of his homily. He goes, if you can get there, get there. He goes, because then that's when everything starts to get better. I mean, there are so many avenues into this um, peace and joy uh, and so many different ways to, I think, uh, talk about the trust aspect. But um, it's just one of those things where um, even when they do these uh, meetings, you know, these team-building meetings, you've probably seen where somebody stands on a stage and they have to fall backwards into the arms of their uh, uh, of the people they're going to be working with. Have you seen that? It's pretty common. Or no, but I have years. heard of it. I, I think I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, well, I've actually seen it on videos or something like that. And, that, and that's what a person does. You go up there, you go, okay, I trust my teammates. Oh, yeah, we're in this together. Okay, well, then stand on the stage and fall backwards, and they're going to catch you. And uh, people will do it. Uh, so that right there is a visual. You know, that's concrete. Uh, if you didn't trust us, then you wouldn't have done it. But um, we need to do that in our spiritual lives because I think I've made progress over the years. I really have. And it's just, it's, you can just feel the weight coming off. Um, and it opens up so many other things. It opens up new avenues for grace. And the more grace you have working in your life, the more things you can get done. And, you know, when I watch the news it's frustrating, but I've got to tell you, I don't let it get to me. I just feel that we're here at this point uh, in, in our culture for maybe a lot of bad decisions that have been made along the way, a lot of bad things. However, I'm here for a reason, just like everybody else, and my job is not to add to the anxiety. My job is to try to maybe calm it down wherever I can, uh, within my own family, within extended family, within friends, people, even strangers. If I can go out there and have a few minutes with someone and I can get them to understand something that maybe they'd overlooked before and they have reduced their anxiety because of it, I, I, I'm, done, I'm doing my part. And, and that's where I think we all should be. Uh, but unfortunately, as Father said, it's easier said than done. If you don't believe it, it's hard to pass along that kind of confidence to someone else. No, I, I, I agree with you. It is real. I mean, no, you can't. That's what I meant to say. You, you cannot pass that on. I agree with you that it's hard, if not impossible, to pass on what you yourself don't have. You can't pass on your love of faith. Faith is a gift from God that we cannot pass on to anybody else. But we can let them catch the sparks from the fire that we have within us, the fire of our belief, our faith, our trust. And you were mentioning that yesterday at the homily, Father spoke about the trust in God and how hard it is to get there, but we need to get there. Well, in the video, Father Federico actually did give us um, a map, a guide to how to get to that total trust. And it begins very, and he said, start slowly. Do things really easy, no matter what it is. Uh, he made the comparison between how, what, for him, it's very hard to get up early in the morning, but he didn't just like, you know, getting up late and then set, all of a sudden getting up before 6, you know, 5.30. He made it slow. He did a, a little bit earlier, one week, one month, and then a little bit earlier, and so on and so forth. And that really is the way we should really progress with our walk in virtue, our growth in virtue, is slowly. Let's try one little thing and keep at it. Trust in God. There's one thing. Well, what bothers you? Uh, uh, what, what is a, a little thing that could be bothering you? It doesn't, don't, don't tackle on huge things all at once unless it's absolutely necessary to do so. But it's best to start out small. What little thing really annoys you that kind of makes you a little stressed out, just a little irritated, just a little uh, anxious, just a little bit? Pray about that. Do on your fingers, on the rosary beads, do 10, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. And also, we haven't gotten there just yet about the look, the gaze. But with our trust in Jesus, if you have a picture of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I believe in you. You can even change the words around. 
Jesus, help me with this. Jesus, you take care of the situation. Jesus, I don't know what to do about so-and-so, my family, at my work, my neighborhood, whatever it is. Jesus, you take care of it. And really trust Jesus like you would trust your trustworthy accountant, your trustworthy lawyer, your trustworthy doctor, dentist, teacher, whoever it is, you know that they can handle a certain situation and you're not going to stress and mull and brood over it. So this is what you do with a little situation. You start out little and you just do 10 on your fingers, on the rosy beads. Jesus, I trust in you. You think of the situation. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I know you can do it. Jesus, you take care of it. You can change it around. You can do the same thing for all 10. You can go further. You can go a little bit further. But I would just say do it slowly at first, but do it consistently. And I'm going to say as we get older, and I don't know what I even mean about older exactly. It's more of a general thing. It could be in your 20s. It could be older than that. But as we're getting older, and maybe you could even start younger at any time, but especially when we're getting older, extremely important and not very well regarded virtue is perseverance. You can go so slow even for a long, long time, and some of the saints really did. St. Teresa of Avila, whose feast day is also this month, um, this month is, seems like a really big um, month for feast days, including Our Lady of the Rosary on Wednesday. But with St. Teresa of Avila, she entered the convent in her early 20s. And her progress until she was 40 was really minimal, so, so slow. And she had really a major conversion at age 40. But to say, even some of the saints took their sweet time <laughs> to really turn to God. So that's what we need to do is have perseverance. We don't give up. We keep on going no matter how slow. Because we all know the parable, the story of the, the fable of the tortoise and the hare. And that, that tortoise was really slow, but as long, it did not give up, and eventually it made it and succeeded, where that quick, alert, feisty little rabbit didn't make it. Well, he got distracted. That's how I remember. He got, he, got, he got too cocky, too confident, and he got distracted, and the next thing he knows, he, he came in second. So, you know, uh, uh, that's, that's a good one. But, uh, yeah, this, um, uh, yeah, the lives of the saints, uh, they, uh, once you start to read about some of them, these people struggled in so many ways. Uh, there was a little uh, story on about St. Francis uh, of Assisi, uh, since it was his feast day just a couple of days ago. Uh, Yesterday. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, this is Monday, yes. Uh, yeah, he's one I of mean, my he he's, he's becoming one of my favorite saints too, and I might become a Franciscan, so I have to make sure we get his date correct, October fourth. Yes, but uh, you know when you start to uh, realize th- these were people just like us, and uh, some of them had a sketchy start. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a saying: every saint had a past. And every sinner has a future. Have you have you heard that one? I think I heard it from you. Oh, okay. I hope I, <laughs> hopefully I said it. I hopefully I said it the same way both times. Uh, yeah, every yes. uh, saint had a past. I mean, just what I'm saying. Some some of them weren't saints. They 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 had a really uh, uh, life that was uh, not God driven at all. Matter of fact, I think it was orchestrated more by by the devil than God, and uh, but they they figured something out and they became saints in their lifetime. And if so, if we think we were irredeemable, we're not because as the as it says, every sinner has a future, and it's a matter of modeling what we've seen in in the saints uh, is that you can turn it around, but you first have to stop. Uh, gain some knowledge, uh, and, and it seems like there was something in their lives that uh, that sparked, that got them thinking, uh, either uh, from uh, someone they knew, or it was maybe even a, a like a, a calling of sorts. Uh, and, uh, and and when you read about what they what they accomplished, and some of the things that were against them, and all of that, they were no different than anything we could come up with. 
In some ways, maybe they had it even more difficult. But um, so I, I just uh, this uh, uh, learning again. I'll go back to what he said. We have to develop knowledge. We need to grow in knowledge and virtue. And by doing so, we start to understand how the two work together. And um, matter of fact, there's one other thing I was going to mention. Uh, he said, uh, Father Federico said, you have to educate your conscience to form it. And the way you do it is through um, the Word, the Word of God, the Bible. And he encouraged everyone to read the Bible far more than, than we do. He mentioned our Protestant brothers and sisters know their Bible far more than most Catholics. And then the other one was the examination of conscience. And he even talked about how it go about that at the end of the day. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But Maria, you said something about the gays. Um, are, are you ready to talk about that a little bit? Yes, like absolutely. I would go love ahead. to, yes. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, you mean as in we that you want me to talk about it first? I will. Yeah, yeah, because you mentioned it. Sure. We'll, we'll get to it. So go ahead. So a young woman who is, I believe, um, on her way to becoming a nun, to entering religious yep. life, also was on the video with Father Federico yesterday, and she brought up this meditation in which she calls it the gaze of God. And it was just so beautiful, and I just want to share that. We want to share that with everybody because it is excellent. So um, basically it is, well, what she did in the video was take a scripture passage, and she took the passage of the woman caught in adultery, which is an excellent passage when we're thinking of somebody who feels so laden with shame and guilt and unforgiveness and is ready, is going to be killed, murdered, you know, lapidated with stones because of this. So um, it was an excellent meditation. And what I got from it too, I mean, you can, you can hear it, see it on the video, for myself, I got it that really it is looking at our Lord. And when he looked and letting him look at us, because Father Federico um, goes into our Lord's look. But I want to say it's also us looking at God, not being afraid to look at him. He became a human being so that we could look at him. As God the Father, we really, well, Moses did see the face of God the Father, but wasn't his face veiled too? So even he did not could not really see him clearly. Yes, I, yes, I think that's right. Yes. yes. So, but now with our Lord Jesus Christ becoming, taking on flesh, becoming man, we can look at Him. This really so many beautiful pictures with his eyes that we can look straight at him and let him look straight into us. And that is the gaze. Now this young woman named Victoria in the video went on and actually explained it a little differently when she did the meditation. It's great and I advise anybody to go and look at it. But I'm going to speak more from my own point of view how important it is to look at our Lord and for, to allow him to look at us how important it is and how difficult. Difficult to the point of painful, even excruciating pain. Because when he looks at us, he knows, we know, we know that we, that he knows everything, that we cannot hide anything from him, that he even knows things we've done that we don't even remember things that we, uh, he knows every single thing. How painful is that? How painful it is to know that there is a superior being who knows every single thing we've done, even the things that maybe other people have praised us for. He knows that our intentions were not good or whatever the reasons were, that we were, it was selfishness. He knows us so, so well. How painful it is and yet, how solitary, how beneficial, how life-giving to know that there is someone who knows us, who knows us through and through and through, and yet loves us more than we or anybody else on earth could ever even begin to love us. 
That's how much he loves us. It's really amazing. And I think this might be a good time, uh, Dave, to speak about Father Kevin, what happened to this priest, a local priest, another local priest, who had what is called, what can be called, an illumination of conscience or uh, an encounter with our Lord Jesus face to face. He was living a very secular life. And he was a bartender and a bouncer and just enjoying life in general, paying very little to any attention to God, if any attention to God. And then his mother had given him a religious book, which he was like, ah, you know, he said, you know how it is when mothers give their kids, and he was in his 20s, mid-20s, mid to late 20s, give, you know, a religious book. So he just kind of put in a corner. And then one day, again, it was obvious that it was an inspiration of the, a movement of the Holy Spirit that he picked this book up and he only got just a certain, a few pages into it. I know he said he doesn't remember how many, could have been 20, 30, but he doesn't remember at all. When our Lord actually physically appeared, he said it was just the face of our Lord. And in that moment, he, it was like time had stopped and it wasn't like he saw his life chronologically from when he was young to the present time. It was like everything was all in one moment. Everything was all at one time. And he could see all the times he had missed the, the, the graces that God wanted to give him, all the things that he had done that were wrong and how everything, how everything that he had done, he had, he had not been aware of God. More, something like that. Very, but basically it was, he saw his soul the way God sees our souls. He saw, oh, first actually God gave, showed him the state of a soul that wasn't grace, that had just received baptism and the beauty of it, and then he showed him his own soul. He, and, and, and as God was showing him this really terrifying vision, this terrifying experience, he said, Jesus also showed him how much Jesus himself suffered because of this and how much Jesus loved him. Mm, Father wow, Kevin went on to say, yeah. You know, yeah, uh, it, it was powerful. It was powerful. It was so powerful. Yeah, and the other thing before I, you said something about the state of his soul, and uh, that's also the, the need for purgatory. Um, you know, a soul that before it can enter into heaven has to be purified. And, you know, that's the, that's the purpose of purgatory. You're kind of in the lobby uh, in, in the mansion of heaven, but you're in the lobby, the mud room, where you have to be cleansed before you can go into the main room. Um, so that's amazing. But go ahead, Marie. I, I was just thinking that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't believe in purgatory, but that's the difference is the soul at baptism and the soul the state of a soul that's not leading a very good a very uh, is leading a secular life um the, the contrast is great and that's why to get back to that perfection of a soul uh, at baptism there's a lot of work a lot of cleanup that has to be done yeah 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 and a lot of people don't also really believe in the and the judgment at death. And this is what Father Kevin said. This is this what he experienced is what every soul will experience, but most really at the time of death. And he experienced it before, and some people do. Um, so he said it was the most painful, the worst moment of his life, simultaneously with the best moment of his life. And he would not wish it on anybody else now father kevin too i mean we were there right there in front of him so it wasn't a video that we saw we were right there at his talk he is still now i mean quite you know he's in his 40s most likely maybe close to 50 quite quite handsome tall athletic very bright he, he did go to um college but then became a bouncer about bartender because he's making good money and he was unable to find a job that was more suited to him but he was thinking of going into the fbi so you knew he was alert athletic bright, 
handsome, tall. He had life going for him. And he said he was making a lot of money being a bartender. I've never been one, but I've heard that they can make quite a bit. And, you know, he was a very, oh, he's also very extroverted, so he's very personable. So he had friends. He had girlfriends. He had what the world would say, wow. He had just about everything, you know, very successful person. And yet, with this encounter, he saw how empty his life was. And he said, it just changed him forever. That moment, and it was, he doesn't even know how long it was. That It could have been a few moments. It could have been hours. That experience changed his life, and he actually went on to become a priest. And he didn't know he was going to become a priest. And actually, I think it was Our Lady who was speaking to him at this point further down, just heard a voice, um, I believe, and I think it was an interior voice. He said not that he heard an audible exterior voice you know, telling him that he's going to become a priest. And he was saying, like, no, I, I, don't, I don't really want to. I don't think I can. And Our Lady said, this is not what I'm asking from you. I'm not asking you to do something. I'm, this is something I'm asking for you. It's a gift for you. It's not that a sacrifice from you. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. That's... Uh... That's amazing. That, that's a really uh, good insight about um, how the Holy Spirit, you know, Mary, um, just uh, what they're doing, they're not showing up with uh, an, a chore to lay upon you. They're showing up with a present to give you, a, a, a good present. Uh, they're doing something for you. They're not laying something on you that's going to take away from what you thought maybe you should be doing. That, that's a really good, uh, I'm glad you brought that out. And it sounds like not only did he become a priest, he became an exceptional priest. Uh, it sounds like his, um, his um, ministry is, is touching a lot of people. Uh, the, the fruits of his ministry are, are good, and they will go out and... Uh, uh, his fruits will bear other fruits that he won't even know about. I mean, we're talking about it. Who knows who else will hear about it? But anyhow, it just keeps, the good fruits just keep rippling out. And that's what we're supposed to do. I heard that the other night, uh, uh, that um, we are here for a reason, and by doing what we're supposed to do, we bear good fruit. And then that fruit goes on to affect other people. So, that's the ripple effect. And that also ties into the final judgment. That's when we will know uh, what our actions cause of good and bad. Does that sound right to you? Yes, that is true. However, what Father Kevin and I believe Father Federico in the video is trying to tell us and, and Victoria is when we have, uh, when we acquire, when we practice to have this habitual look to God, this habitual look at our Lord Jesus and allow him, and really there I'm going to stress, allow him to look at us because we don't want to be scrutinized. We don't want to be analyzed by the, we don't want to be put under a microscope by the one who knows every single thing, even things we don't know about ourselves. That's really painful. It's, really, it's like going under the surgeon's knife, putting our soul under the surgeon's knife. And we know about how hard it is to be put under the knife with our bodies and a surgeon. Imagine our soul just really laying it bare. And this is what Father Federico in the video is really stressing. Victoria, with the gaze of God, if we make this, habitual, and this is the virtue, if we make this habitual into a virtue, there is nothing, nothing we need to fear or be concerned about judgment because we are living in God's judgment moment by moment. And we know that the final judgment will be what we've been experiencing all our lives because we have put ourselves under God's light, under his microscope, under his scalpel. Yes, take care of me, Lord. I trust you. I trust that you're not going to kill me. I trust that you're not going to do a bad surgical job, which some surgeons have done. I mean, surgeons are human beings. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ is divine. He never makes a mistake. Whatever happens to our soul during surgery, during confession, is exactly what Jesus wants it to happen if we allow him to. Well, that's really good. That's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. No, excellent. Um, You know, before we leave the gaze of God, uh, I would like to just add one thing, uh, something that Victoria said that got me thinking. Um, One is that, you know, the gaze of God is when we pick our heads up and look, we see the mercy. Because otherwise, if we're hiding, we don't see the mercy that's being extended to us. But in her uh, example of the woman caught in adultery, she did read the, the passage. And then during the meditation, what she did, she asked the people to close their eyes. And um, uh, instead of the woman being caught in adultery, she said, you are the one being dragged out in front of the crowd. You are the one that's about to be stoned. In other words, she made it very personal. Uh, Instead of the woman, it was you. And one of the things, and I'm sure we've either talked about it or I'm sure you know about it, is that any time you read something about the life of Christ or, or the rosary, when you're seeing the rosary, the mysteries, that what we do is we meditate upon the mystery and the best way to do it is put, uh, put ourselves there at the scene. Uh, you know, we, we use all of our senses to, to take in what was happening. It could be the carrying of the cross, the, you know, with the nativity, the, whatever. We put ourselves at the scene and use all of our senses to take it in. Well, her example of making it personal really got me to think in a little bit different terms. And it has to do with the crucifixion. I have placed myself at the foot of the cross many times, and I've tried to imagine what it must have been like to be there with Mary and, and John and some of the others. But after the, after her presentation, I went back to the crucifixion. Only this time, I put myself on the cross. And I have got to tell you, you have to come away with a different, it's just a different experience because you think, would I, if, if I'm there, would I be able to, first of all, would I be able to do that? I mean, Jesus was mocked, he was tortured, he was crucified, and yet he still said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Could I do that? And even if you can't even get to that level, can just think of the pain, physical pain. It's hard to be at the foot of the cross, but being on the cross under the conditions that he was there. It, it's, it's just, I, I have to tell you, I came away with a totally different understanding of the crucifixion uh, after thinking it through in those terms. Yeah, that sounds really, really good. Yeah. You know, when she brought up the thing about making it personal, uh, I think that's a, a, another way to get into, to understand the uh, what happened, like I said, when you're praying the mysteries. If you can make it as personal as possible, it, you, you just, I think, have different insights. Yeah, I agree totally. If you really put yourself there and it's you who is being judged it's you who or like you said you it's you who's actually hanging on the cross or it could be it's you who's right beneath the cross and suffering so much for the son you love as our lady did or for saint mary magdalene or saint john the apostle and um i believe that saint john's mother was also there the mother of Zebedee, I should actually look that up, but I believe she was also there at the foot of the cross, so um because there were there were a number of women, so yeah, yeah. it's really being in that pain, and really I, I would think I would think it would be very terrifying, even for the women in St John there, because Jesus was crucified, and his other followers fled because they knew they could be next, and so these women don't you know they don't know what's what can happen to them, too. There's an awful lot of evil people surrounding our Lord. Oh, yeah. Again, 
when you put yourself at the foot of the cross, you're taking a risk. Uh, and, and that's putting, your, putting yourself in harm's way. And that had to be, you know, hard to take in. I mean, especially if you're Mary or John or any of them because they loved Christ. But putting yourself on the cross is, there's no doubt about being in harm's way. Uh, you are, you, you, you have been um, crucified. You're going to die. And yet to still... After all that had happened, again, being abandoned by his um, disciples and all, um, still uh, asking the Father to forgive them because uh, even then he knew what he was there for and it had to be carried out to the full extent. Nothing could be left out, Maria. Nothing could be left out of the crucifixion when he looked down and, you know, this is your mother, this is your son, um, uh, Father, forgive them. Nothing could be left out of the crucifixion, of the passion as we know it, for it to have the effect that it needed to have um, uh, so that we would understand how we are supposed to live. I, I mean, every part of it was important and, and vital so that we would understand why he came. Exactly, yes. Every single thing, every single part of every single part of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New yeah, Testament, yeah. culminating with the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord, the nativity of our Lord. Yeah, yeah. Which just reminds me too of Saint Francis. I should, I feel like we should mention him a little bit more because he, his feast day was yesterday, and it is, of course, a great feast day for the Franciscans, of which there's so many. Different one, there's many different orders, there's different branches of the Franciscans, and also because our Holy Father, his name, he took on the name of Francis. The, how do you say it in English? The little poor man in Italian, it's Il Poverello. Um, and so, yeah, so for all those named Francis, for our Holy Father Francis, that, um, that God will bless us all. But anyway, yeah, so Francis, I wanted to mention him because he, be all, the Franciscans actually began a lot of things. I saw a video on it. And one of them was, of course, I think this one most people know, the Nativity. Yes, the, uh, the living, the Yes, the yes. Yeah. Because he loved yes. the incarnation of our Lord, yes. And, he, and so he, the Nativity. So just to bring, yeah. So everything is so important. The whole Bible is so important. Actually, yeah, even in the video, Father Federico mentioned, and you mentioned it just a little while ago too, that to form, to grow in knowledge, to form our conscience is to grow in knowledge. And the single best way is by reading the scriptures. And then Victoria took us further and said to really put ourselves into the scriptures, to really make it a personal experience. And with the scriptures, that is really where there's so many layers to it and there's so many different ways and there's no way on earth that any human being, even were he to live for a thousand years, could really know the full Bible and it's all its depth. It is that rich, that full. And yesterday's, one of yesterday's readings, I think the second reading it was, have no anxiety at all. And that really ties into confession. That, you know, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. We bring everything to our Lord that we will have absolute in the right way we will have absolutely no anxiety and furthermore we're commanded as people as christians as people who believe in our lord jesus christ in the new testament we're commanded not to have any anxiety but also you know even if we weren't christians if we are jews the old testament over and over is about trusting in god trust in the lord with all your heart on your own intelligence do not rely that's Proverbs, I think. I can't remember exactly right what for which one right now. But you know, it's the whole Bible is trust in God. Trust in God. Of course, the Israelites, how often did they not trust in God? And us Christians who have added grace, who have the sacraments, 
us Catholics who have the sacraments, of course, the Protestants have baptism in marriage. Um, but anyway, we have the sacraments, and we still don't trust. And then our Lord sent an apostle, a sweet, beautiful young woman, very, very simple, very, very pure young woman, to be his apostle of mercy, Saint Faustina, who I can't remember when she was born or died, but she was only 33 when she died. Yeah. And it, I think yeah. it was in the 1930s or 40s. So, I mean, my goodness, she had lived to be 80 or 90. I mean, she would have been alive when so many of us were alive. She is so contemporary. She is so much a part of our modern times. And then, of course, another saint in October, Saint Therese, is the well, I, I, who was it? Pope? I can't remember which Pope said she is the greatest saint of modern times. So we have all of these. And St. Faustina with her message, the Apostle of Mercy, her me- message of mercy, of trust in Jesus. How often does our Lord have to tell us and how many ways he is such a great teacher? You know how great teachers who have all of our special needs children, we're very special needs. Some of us are real. I, I for one, just say I'm so, so slow to learn. And my good teacher just shows me in so many different ways you know it's like you still don't get it oh it's like i love it when our lord in the bible sighs i love it when he sighs and he says how much longer do i have to put up with you it's like he's trying all these different ways and we still don't get it we're still dumb sick um self-interested we're just not paying attention we're fidgeting we're like i don't want to learn this this is boring you know how kids do this is boring why do i have to learn this this is not fun it's like i I don't get it i don't understand it it's too hard (laughs) i mean i I homeschool and i i've also taught in schools it's like children Hmm. And here we are, adults, well into our mature years, and we're still having our Lord say, I want you to trust me, and I'm going to give you another example, and another exercise, and another teaching on it, another lesson. And we're like, oh, it's so boring. I don't really want to learn. I just want to be happy and peaceful. Can't I just be happy and peaceful without going through all this? Yeah, why can't we do recess, you know? Uh, I want to make exactly. recess. You know, you know in our were, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. You were starting to say, how many times does he have to uh, tell us? I, I was thinking back to my childhood, based on personal experience between me and my mother. Many, many times, I had to hear things many, many times, and uh, mom never gave up. Uh, she was, you know, she did her job as a as a honest and good mother, just a beautiful mother, and um, uh, I'm sure that's how we're being. But that, uh, you know, as long as they're trying, uh, I'll, uh, and I actually think that's kind of how it works, um, you know, with the contemplatives and all. Um, when the world, when the last prayer leaves the world, then it's over. But as long as prayers from people are coming to, uh, beams of light from the earth are going to heaven, and those are the prayers then we'll always get another chance. But when the last prayer stops, that's when we're done. That's when it goes totally dark, and then it's over. So uh, I've often thought of the contemplatives that way, you know, the people that join uh, a cloister and and people go, well, they don't do anything. No, no, there's a thing. They're the group that's holding this whole thing together. You just don't know it because you're too involved in living your life. But um, these beams of light coming from from the earth to heaven in the form of prayer is what keeps us in the mind of God. That's how I've always liked to think of it. So uh, we can we can fall as many times as we have to, as long as we're trying, we'll still get that next chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have just maybe maybe one more thing. I mean, there's so much that could be said on this. It's such a beautiful profound topic but i have one thing that i do want to say before we stop for the day uh, which is that father federico brought out that we have it in our minds that god is this vengeful punishing brute and basically i've heard a variation on that which is that god is like a policeman a cruel policeman um who is out to nab you for any infraction they're on the watch oh you did this wrong you did that wrong they're going to get you and they're going to punish you for it 
But that is totally not what God is, although in the Bible it seems that he has appeared to be that way, especially in the Old Testament, but I guess in the New Testament towards the Pharisees as well. But anyway, in the Old Testament, at times God was quite harsh with his people. But you know, even then, it was only as, I would say, a last resort, because even in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, this beautiful, that oh my goodness, this verse is so beautiful, where our Lord says, can a mother forget the child of her womb? Even should she forget, I will never forget you. Just so beautiful. And then the other one too, um, where I think it's in Jeremiah, you knit me in my mother's womb. Um, let's see. I forget that one exactly, but it's just so beautiful. I am fearfully, wonderfully made. And I think that was read in one of the readings just recently too. But anyway, our Lord, even in the Old Testament, where people would, would say that he was more, um, that our Lord, that God was more, more harsh. And yet really it's not true. He, and, and in the New Testament, people will say that he's all, you know, some people will say that he's just good, kind, you know, easygoing. No, he was quite quite severe at times in the New Testament, and he was quite gentle and tender and loving and merciful in the Old Testament. Actually, the Psalms are full of his mercy, are full of, you know, King David's crying out for God's mercy and God's, um, God's love. Anyway, so um, basically I just want yeah, well, to really make this point. Yeah, no, it gets down. That's right. It gets down to me to mercy and justice, mercy and justice, and uh, he has the right balance. He knows. You know, you're talking about being harsh. Well, the the Israelites wandered around for 40 years because they were they kept they just didn't get it. You know, after uh, their escape from they were rebellious. uh, They were rebellious. They continued to be rebellious over and over. They continued to be unfaithful. Unfaithful. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, okay, well, we got a little, we got a remedy for this. How about forty years in the desert? You know, I mean, uh, they brought it on themselves. Um, so uh, again, God is uh, the, the perfect balance of justice and mercy. And uh, the gaze that we talked about earlier—that's when you see the mercy. Uh, when you are in an act of contrition, you know. Uh, that's the mercy. But when justice needs to be served, it will be served, and it will be perfect. So um, that's how I've always – I don't worry about it because I know it's being handled by, um, you know, uh, upper management. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And when you said the 40 years in the desert, the thought that came to me was, talk about a time out. That was a long time out. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And, you know, don't make me give you another 40 years. You guys better get this right uh, or, you know, another 40 is coming. Let's put... <laughs> yeah. Now, you also mentioned the, the mercy and judge and, and justice, justice, which really yeah. the, just, the justice and the mercy are both part of God, but the mercy is greater. The mercy is greater. The justice is there. The judgment is there. But the mercy is greater. Oh, and one thing yeah. I want to yeah, and one thing I yeah. wanted to say about the um, that God is not this cruel judge, this cruel policeman, this cruel um, person out to get us. God is actually just like the most loving parents could ever be, rooting for us, helping us, encouraging us, taking into account our smallest efforts. That is who God is. God loves us so much more than the most loving parent when they're trying to help their child learn anything and will encourage them, will try in different ways to teach them, but also be like a cheerleader for them. Yeah, you can do it. Encourage them. Root them on. You can do it. You did did great. You did this is good. I'll show you what else you need to do. You can do it with me. You can do it. I will help you every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. That's exactly right. Uh, that's a good way. It's a good positive note to uh, to end the show. Um, unless you have something else, but I think that's a, a, a nice way for people to uh, maybe wrap it up in their minds about what this is all about. I agree totally with you. Okay. Well, then with that, let's close with a prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace. 
The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Take care, Maria. Have a great week. You too, Dave. Thank you. Bye-bye, and God bless everybody. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. To a production of WCAT Radio, please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.